You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. After multiple failed attempts earlier this year, Republican efforts in Congress to repeal and replace Obamacare died once and for all, or so we thought. Now there's a new plan crafted by Senators Lindsey Graham and Bill Cassidy that is reviving Republican hopes to get rid of or at least scale back the federal health care law. What would the new plan mean for coverage and premiums across the United States? And what would it mean right here in Michigan? Would we be able to continue our very successful Medicaid expansion program, Healthy Michigan, which ensures more than half a million low-income people? We're going to spend the rest of the show today talking about health care, both at the national level, what's going on on Capitol Hill in Washington, and locally here in Michigan. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Tell us what you think about what the Republicans are talking about in Washington. Do you think it's going to be an improvement over Obamacare? Or do you fear that it's the kind of thing that will strip people of health care coverage they just got in some cases. Do you think uh, the folks who are participating in Healthy Michigan, for instance, would be vulnerable under what the Republicans are talking about? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the, uh, is the, on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into a conversation and joining us now to talk about what is going on in Washington is Paul Demko. He's a healthcare reporter for Politico. Paul, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, as I said in the open, there um, we thought this was gone, and then we, for a while, thought that Republicans and Democrats were actually going to try to work together to come up with something that would uh, would fix at least some of the shortcomings with the Affordable Care Act. That didn't seem to go very far. And now we're back to a single party uh, kind of endeavor that a lot of people are saying, uh, as I was reading around this morning, is maybe worse than where we started. Uh, I want to get your uh, sense of where we are, what this proposal will do, uh, and why we've sort of circled back to the place that it seems that we started with this debate. Well, I think there's a there's a desperation among Republicans to get some kind of, you know, win on the scorecard, and that's really sort of concentrated the minds of uh, of lawmakers as we hurdle towards um a deadline of September 30th that they face if they're going to uh, pass some kind of repeal bill um with just a, a majority of votes, which is the only way they can, because they have zero support from Democrats. And, you know, you mentioned the, the bipartisan talks at stabilization, and I think those were actually going pretty well, um, and that there was a, a pretty a path forward, potentially, uh, between Republican Senator Lamar Alexander and, and Democratic Senator Patty Murray in terms of uh, a stabilization plan, but that really just got scuttled um, by leadership in the White House when uh, there began to get momentum behind this uh, Graham-Cassidy bill. Yeah. Uh, What happened to the Democratic-Republican, the sort of uh, cross-aisle effort that we saw emerge after the health care bill failed 
on the first try, it seemed as though that had some promise. And given President Trump's now new predilection for uh, cross-aisle cooperation, uh, I thought maybe... You know, maybe it it really could get some some headwind. Why did it Why did it not go anywhere? Well, I think there's. I think you got to keep in mind that there's a tremendous amount of pressure on Republicans. They spent seven years, you know, promising day after day after day on the campaign trail and campaign after campaign, you know, promising to dis- dismantle this law, and that is really. Um, driving them and and the uh, the effort to, to, to kind of stabilize was was you know embraced by some you know sort of moderate members of the party but was always kind of uh, not looked kindly upon by uh, particularly the base um, so once there emerged some kind of momentum behind this Graham Cassidy bill, I think it really, it it got leadership to really just uh, say, we're going to just kill those bipartisan efforts now and move forward on this. And that's, the, I think, I think politics is driving this more than policy. Yeah. <clears throat> what, what, what are the features of this bill that might look different, I suppose, from the bill that wasn't able to get enough votes to pass before? What is it, I guess, that's giving Republicans more confidence that they can embrace something like this. Well, I think the the buzzword for Republicans, the thing that they like about this this uh, approach, is that it you know basically delegates power back to the states. It says we're going to take pretty much all the taxes from Obamacare, most of them anyway, and we're going to just take that money and starting in 2020, we're going to give that back to the states and let them do sort of what they want in terms of their approach to health care. And that's um, that's kind of fits into the sort of federalist philosophy of a lot of Republicans. Republicans and uh, in just sort of that vague, you know, philosophical terms is very appealing to them. Now, when you dig into the details, it gets pretty murky, um, particularly and 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 doesn't look very good, particularly for states like Michigan that um, embraced parts of the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. most notably uh, Medicaid expansion. And and that number or that date, I guess. Let's talk a little about that. 2020. Somehow, I don't think that's just a random. That's just a random date that they've that they've chosen. That there are politics behind that as well. Well, it provides. I mean, part of it is is simply practical. You have to provide some kind of an on ramp. If you're going to have states draw up their own health care plans from scratch, you have to give them some time to do that. And most people will tell you there's a good story in the New York Times today about this. That two years is a very, very, very ambitious, difficult time frame for states to do this. I mean, you have states like Texas where their state legislature doesn't even reconvene until 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be very difficult. So you had to provide some kind of on-ramp, but I think you're right, too, um, that there's a political element to this in the sense that, um, you know, Republicans are going to face difficult elections, particularly in the House in 2018, um, so you, you don't want... Um, you know, you don't want this thing to be a total mess in the meantime mm-hmm. um, and pay a political price for that. So I think there are practical and political, uh, you know, aspects of this driving it. Yeah. 
Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Paul Demko. He's a healthcare reporter for Politico. We are talking about the new Republican effort in Washington on Capitol Hill to make substantial changes to the Affordable Care Act, uh, changes that would give states more power than they have under the current law to decide how to fund various aspects of health care. Uh, this is a new iteration of, I guess, the old effort uh, on Capitol Hill earlier this year, uh, delivering on one of President Trump's big promises, delivering on a GOP promise for many years to try to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. What do you think about what they're talking about in Washington? Have you sort of looked at what they're doing and determined that this would be an improvement to what we're dealing with now? Uh, Or are you fearful that what they're talking about could cost coverage to any number of people, especially the people here in Michigan who are part of Healthy Michigan, the Medicaid expansion program? More than a half million low-income people are participating in that. Would this change that or take it away from them. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. If you go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, we'll try to work you into the conversation. Kimberly on Facebook says, I think that they're what they're doing is morally repugnant, uh, making citizens dependent on the will of for-profit corporations to acquire care that is necessary for life is obscene. Uh, Kimberly, not impressed with what is going on in Washington. What do you think? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, Let's go to Delcine in South Lyon. Delcine, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Kim is right on target when she says it's obscene. Uh, And that is a sleazy ploy to put it over to the states with less money. So the state has less money. A lot of what they passed from that House Resolution uh, 71 is Paul Ryan stuff, and they call it premium support payment, which just is vouchers so people get less money. They'll be getting less money for their prescriptions. And um, as if all that wasn't they're going to cut $487 billion uh, from Medicare, Medicaid. And if that wasn't evil enough, um, they are planning on giving tax, tax cuts to uh, individuals who make over 200000 and couples 250000 That is all obscene. So uh, I don't want to go into a lot of the details, but all that comes, a lot of that, Resolution 71 comes from Paul Ryan's idea and the voucher system. Yeah, Delcine, thanks very much for the call and all the detail uh, that you uh, packed into your into your question, your statement there, Paul Demko. This idea of of, of giving more power to states. I mean, Republicans are, are pretty consistent in their desire to do that with a number of different federal programs. But talk about what the concerns are when you do that. Block granting is is one of the things yeah. that they they talk about. Well, there's, I mean, there's some fresh data out this morning from the Kaiser Family Foundation that looks at how, uh, you know, all 50 states would be 
impacted by this plan in terms of funding. And what it finds is that states that expanded Medicaid, which is about two-thirds of the states, um, would see a, basically a, a 12% reduction um, in funding over the next decade, and states that uh, didn't expand would see about a, a, a similar increase. So for a state like Michigan, you're talking about, um, according to Kaiser, about $5 billion less in funding um, through 2026. So, you know, the question is, okay, yes, Michigan will have more, um, you know, freedom to do what it wants on health care, but if it doesn't have that money, if it's looking at a $5 billion, um, you know, reduction in funding, where's that money going to come from to provide coverage? So I think that's the, the, the big concern for folks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Delcine, again, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Let's go to Charlene in South Lyon. Charlene, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Can you hear me? I sure can. Hi. I just want to say uh, thank you very much for your show. I love it. It keeps me sane. Oh, thank but you Let me much. say at the outset, I think we're using the wrong terms here. Health care is not anything the Republicans care about. This is a smokescreen to gut Medicaid, which they have promised to do for 40 years. They want it gone. And secondly, they were home with their donors two weeks ago, and what did they hear? You're not getting anything done, but also we want a tax cut. Another $1.5 trillion tax cut for the richest among us. And let me say at the outset, I'm one of the people that would get that tax cut. I don't want a tax cut. I'm doing fine as I am. I want health care for Americans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlene, thanks very much for the call and, and the comments. Uh, I think there's a lot of people... Who feel that way, and it's really interesting again to hear from somebody who would benefit from what the Republicans are talking about, saying, eh, "I'm not sure I even I even want what they're offering." Uh, Paul Demko, talk about that sort of odd space that Republicans have to navigate here between trying to do the things that I guess their base wants them to do, but then doing things that might hurt an awful lot of people who voted for them. In 2016, here in Michigan, in Macomb County, it's one of the the top uh, counties for the number of people who enrolled in Healthy Michigan. President Trump won that county. Uh, Republican representatives won that county. And now those people might be sort of on the, the, the bad end of the consequences here. It's it's an odd sort of – I guess it's an odd – way uh, place to try to, to to navigate through yeah I think yeah I mean I think there is a, a, a disconnect here um, between the president's rhetoric and 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 what um, what is actually being proposed here I mean he you know sometimes he, I think he gets terms confused in terms of health care policy he's not obviously a, a health care wonk um, but you know he said he wasn't going to cut Medicare he wasn't going to cut Medicaid um, and you know obviously this uh, legislation according to you know independent analysts would would do just that particularly on the Medicaid front um, so you know there's also a lot of confusion among voters about, you know, what Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act did. And, you know, a lot of people uh, don't necessarily associate Medicaid expansion and the coverage that they've gotten because of the Affordable Care Act with that federal law. Um, so it's like that 
you know, kind of troubling disconnect is is something that makes it really difficult to to uh, you know have a sensible healthcare policy. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, thank you, Paul Demko, a healthcare reporter for Politico, for being here as always with us on Detroit Today. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about what all this means for health insurance here in Michigan. Marianne Udall Phillips, who directs the Center for Healthcare Research and Transformation here, will be here next. And stay with us on the phones, 313 577 1019. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. We are talking about health care, health care, the debate in Washington on Capitol Hill about whether to change the Affordable Care Act in some really significant ways. Uh, the, we uh, we have seen the Republicans struggle so far this year to come up with something that they could pass and that the president would sign. What do you think about what the Republicans are doing and proposing? Are these fixes to the Affordable Care Act, which we all agree, I think, has real drawbacks and has urgent needs that need to be addressed by Congress? Or is this moving in the opposite direction? Is this sort of peeling back the progress that we saw with the Affordable Care Act Millions and millions of people across the country who now have health insurance, who didn't before, right here in Michigan, uh, more than a half million low-income people participating in Healthy Michigan, which was our Medicaid expansion program. Uh, are Republicans just out to do those programs in uh, for, for political reasons uh, and that this whole health care reform effort is a smokescreen? If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313 577 1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Also joining us now to talk about the local dynamics involved here is Marianne Udall Phillips, who is the director for the Center for Healthcare Research and Transformation. Marianne, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks, Steve. Great to be here, although I wish we weren't talking about this. <laughs> uh, right. Every time you're on the show, it seems we're talking about this subject. Uh, so I want to I talk to you about something the president tweeted yesterday uh, he said that he would not sign a bill that would uh, jeopardize people who have pre-existing conditions and that this bill, for instance, does. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of blowback to him on Twitter about that. I read a number of pieces this morning that said he's just flat out wrong. Uh, talk about what that, that piece of this would look like here in Michigan. Right. So I think all of the analysis that's been done by independent analysts says that this would jeopardize people who have pre-existing conditions, because as the bill is written today, there is a provision in there that allows states to waive the requirements that are in the Affordable Care Act for in a couple of ways. First, it would allow states uh, to enable health insurers to charge more for people who are sicker, uh, and that would be going back to the days before we had the Affordable Care Act, and health insurance could be unaffordable for people who have, you know, a lot of medical need. 
And second of all, it gets rid of the protections on essential benefits. And so people who have particular medical needs might find they had an insurance policy that doesn't cover what they need. So there are a lot of ways that this would really damage people who have high medical need, uh, and it would be really problematic for so many people. In Michigan, the estimates are that almost 30% of people with health insurance coverage fall into the category of having some sort of pre-existing condition. Yeah. Uh, Pre-existing conditions are one of the things that, that, that make up sort of the vulnerable populations that we're talking about here. The other, of course, is, is people who receive Medicaid. And here in Michigan, when uh, the ACA passed, we created Healthy Michigan, which was the Medicaid expansion program. The estimates originally, my memory is that they were about uh, that 400,000 people might uh, participate. I, I understand the number is now 700,000, far more people enrolled in that than before. Uh, this idea of block granting uh, the, the the money for that instead of uh, funding it fully every year is, I think, what's behind what the Republicans want to do. I want you, Marianne, to sort of address how that would affect the people who are receiving that care. Well, of course, we don't know for sure because and that would be really up to the state legislature to decide how to spend those funds. But what we do know from this bill, as it's been proposed, is Michigan would get less money in total than we're getting today for the Medicaid expansion, Healthy Michigan, and the health insurance subsidies, which are so important to most of the people by an individual coverage today. So there'd be less money to spend, and the legislature would have to decide how to spend that money. And that additional money for the Medicaid expansion goes away entirely by 2026. So it's really only a temporary block grant program. And then after that, we don't know what would happen in 2026. But what we do know is that this bill would also change the way traditional Medicaid works by putting caps on how much that spending could increase uh, for individuals in that program. Two and a half million people in Michigan today are covered by Medicaid. That's a quarter of the state's population. That's a lot of people. It is. It is. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Let's go to Roberta in Royal Oak. Roberta, welcome to Detroit today. Oh, hello. Um, I wanted to. Am I coming through? Yes, I can hear you just okay. fine. Roberta. Go ahead. Um, I signed up for Medicare Part D that was passed under Bush uh-huh. um, before Obama was elected. Um, and I had a fairly low-cost plan because it wasn't on prescriptions at the time. Anyway, this was with Humana, you know, a private provider. Uh-huh. My uh, monthly cost went from 17 something a month to 42 something a month, wow. $42, in about three years. Now, I signed up before Obama was even elected. So, you know, my point is that premiums were going up anyway. Anyway, sure, sure, Roberta. And I'm sorry that, that uh, you've had to figure out how to, how to shoulder that increase. Uh, Marianne, you know, Phillips, uh, Roberta raises a really great point, which is that the, we have serious problems with health care that, that, uh, that predate the Affordable Care Act, but in some ways, the Affordable Care Act and its changes uh, created new problems. We do need to do something to change uh, the system. 
Right, we absolutely do. And Berta raises a really important point because what we're not talking about with all these proposals that have been out there, none of them have actually addressed the actual cost of health care. And that is really the driving problem for most people and their ability to afford premiums, coinsurance, deductibles, and things like that. Particularly on the prescription drug side, we know those costs have been going up enormously, and none of these bills, and certainly this one, does nothing to address that cost. Yeah. Okay, Marianne Udall Phillips, Director of the Center for Healthcare Research and Transformation. As always, thanks for joining us uh, to talk about this very important topic on Detroit Today. Thank you, Steve. That's going to do it for me today. I will be back tomorrow. Hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station community service of Wayne State University. I'll see you tomorrow.